You're listening to Brunch with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Thursday morning. Now, let's turn to our next topic and guest of today. In the next 20 minutes or so, we're talking about stuttering. And I'm really delighted to be joined on the program by Mehdi Bakhtia, who is an assistant professor from the Academic Unit of the Human Communication, Development and Information Sciences from the Faculty of Education at the University of Hong Kong. Uh, Welcome to the program, Professor Bakhtia. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Noreen. Thank you for inviting me. It's lovely to, to meet you. And also uh, for our listeners, uh, feel free to join us on Facebook Live as well because we're live this morning there and you'll be able to perhaps weigh in and, and comment a little bit uh, if you've had any experience with, with stuttering uh, as Professor Batia joins us this morning. Um, so maybe uh, explain a little bit what exactly is stuttering or as you know, I think the British uh, call it a stammering Yes, thank you, Nuri. So I think it's a good start to uh, explain a little bit about stuttering, as you mentioned, also stammering. So uh, it's basically a, a speech problem in which that the persons would have difficulties or interruptions in the flow of a speech, you know, and uh, uh, which normally can be manifested as a three type of like, you know, uh, behaviors, including the repetitions of the sounds and syllables or prolongations of them. And uh, and also another behavior is like, you know, experiencing the blocks, you know, uh, at the initi- uh, when they're trying to initiate their speech. So there are momentary, momentary, like, you know, uh, stop and uh, blocks in, uh, in initiation of the speech production. <clears throat> uh, but also stuttering is not, uh, you cannot just like explain it based on the behavioral, you know, uh, manifestations. There are also, as Shihan mentioned, that the stuttering is like an iceberg, which only, which only the tip of the iceberg, which like those behaviors that I just mentioned, are you know uh, like you know observable. There are a lot of like hidden uh, aspects of the stuttering that is under the water, which is the bigger part of the stuttering, and those are a lot of people find those more like problematics, uh, which like including more like you know emotional, social. Um, and cognitive aspects of a story, including like, you know, stress and anxiety, uh, frustrations, you know, isolations and depressions and all of the like, you know, hidden things that are like, we, we can call it as a co- covert behaviors of a story, which is also together, they make the uh, like, you know, uh, stuttering as it is. Yeah, so help me understand a little bit. So prolongations is sort of um, at the beginning of words when you can't get the word sort of out. Like, for example, monkey, they might sort of prolong the M sound, just monkey. So that's prolongation. And then blocks is when you sort of um, uh, repeat the word more, or is that different from repetition? like you know let me just like uh, bring more examples on that so when they're trying to say nice to meet you uh, a repetition behavior is what might look like this you know not 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 n- nice to meet you and uh, a prolongation behavior is like uh, they might uh, have it a different uh, part of the word like nice to meet you and then the block is basically like you know a freezing moment of like a speech uh, system uh like you know nice to meet you so there is like you know like you know a silent moments that like there is a tension in the speech articulations that the person momentarily 
is enabled to like speak the next like sound. Yeah. yeah. If you insert a lot of ums and uhs into your sentence, is that a type of stuttering? If you, yeah, that sort of insertion of ums and yeah. uhs. It's a good. It's a good question. So basically, uh, you know, there are some uh, disfluency behaviors. We call it the disfluency behaviors that uh, is also apparent in, like, you know, typically fluent speakers. We're using a lot of ums and like a lot of we call it insertions. Uh, but sometimes, you know, uh, people who stutters learn to use these behaviors, like, you know, as we call it, the avoidance behaviors, to like, you know, trying to avoid those like stuttering moments, you know, or postpone it so that they should be able, they would be able to produce the sounds without, uh, you know, stuttering, which quite often, sometimes for some people it might help, but then for a lot of people it might not help. So. These are called like part of the avoidance behaviors. They may also learn to change the words. So they wanted to uh, to say a word like, you know, ni nice to see you, but then they know that they will have a, uh, you know, sort of like starting on that, they might change it to another word like good to see you or, you know, uh, happy to see you. So they might like, you know, change the a little bit of like the contents of their speech, you know. So this is also part of like, you know, avoidance behaviors that they might experience that. Yeah. So what causes stuttering in people? Yeah, it's uh, actually, uh, uh, it's uh, it's a very complex problem. You know, uh, you might be surprised to see that it's still we don't have a fully uh, full understanding about the all causes of stuttering. But uh, uh, in generally, it's believed that it's a multifactorial problem in which that like, you know, uh, more like biological aspects such as genetics or neurological factors, like, you know, uh, in uh, in interactions with, like, you know, other factors such as environmental factors or like emotional or psychological factors are actually uh, triggering this problem. So genetics has been found that, like, you know, stuttering is, is actually uh, runs in the families. And uh, so there is a, a very strong uh, genetic, uh, uh, you know, disposition. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, exactly, uh, for stuttering. And also in terms of the neurological aspects, it's been found that, uh, you know, the brains of people who stutters, like, you know, structurally or functionally, might be different in a way that they process their speech and language productions than the other typically fluent speakers. Uh, the other two factors I mentioned, like environmental factors, such as a family dynamics, stress, communication styles, uh, they might, uh, uh, and also emotional factors, you know, like, you know, general temperament, excitement, and, you know, those uh, like emotional states and well-beings, uh, they may not directly cause a stuttering, but then they can contribute to its, you know, severity and and also into like, you know, uh, sort of persistences of stuttering yeah. uh, across the different situations. Yeah. Because, um, you know, nobody really knows the true causes of stuttering. It could be a multifaceted sort of area. I think for some children, it can be quite, uh, and it's sort of like a cycle in anxiety inducing, and then it causes them to stutter more. Is it something that some children can grow out of eventually? Yeah, it's a very good question. Yes. Uh, so generally, uh, you know, the uh, uh, study, epidemiological study showed that around 5 to 8% of children 
start to stutter, like, you know, between two to five years, uh, when they are between two to five years old. But uh, around 70 to 80 and uh, or close to 90% of them, a recent founding showed that uh, they might outgrow their stuttering. Uh, with like, you know, uh, the, the, why the others, like, you know, will have a lifespan of stuttering. So we call it a persistent stuttering. So we have the natural recovery quite high, but, uh, um, it's, uh, it's still not fully understand, understood that why some children, you know, actually fully outgrow stuttering and why, uh, why the others still like, you know, keep like, you know, doing stuttering for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Um, Professor Bakhtia, as an educator, you educate other teachers um, so that they can help their students. Um, what sorts of challenges or problems or how does stuttering sort of affect um, a child's learning or how does it affect their education? Yeah. I think this is excellent questions. I think uh, um, these uh, we cannot say that stuttering is, will not affect. Although stuttering is not an intellectual problem, uh, and the people like you know with stuttering have a normal and uh, intellectual cognitive abilities, but then it might affect the performance in the different ways. You know, so you know that uh, like you know it's very intuitive to think that like you know when you are a student at school. You need to do a lot of oral presentations, a lot of, you know, yes. uh, verbal performances. You need to do like group discussions, etc. So that could be something very challenging for students who have stuttering. Um, and adding into that, a lot of research shown that uh, like uh, students who stutter are subjects to a lot of bullying and teasing at a school by the school by the peers. So this can exacerbate the situation and then result into the social uh, isolate um, uh, more like in you know, a social isolations and and try and then they learn to like you know develop more safety behaviors or avoidance behaviors trying not to talk too much or trying to have other like peoples to do their work you know and uh, like show up less for the presentation, etc. So these are some of the example of the safety and avoidance behaviors they might have. And uh, and for some, like actually, they might uh, find it like you know, learning and education is very uh, difficult and discouraging because of the negative emotions and be, uh, like you know experiences that they face during these situations. Yeah. So teachers uh, and students' relationship is also very important. Unfortunately, I think a lot of teachers are not, you know, very aware about these situations, and they might think that the student is simply avoiding, like you know, participating in the class activities, and they, and they think that these are not maybe a good students or you know, like lazy or cetera, without knowing about the core problem of this. Yeah, it's really tough because it's tough being a child these days, but also I think it's a sort of added barrier when you stutter because then maybe it can affect your confidence and you might not then want to participate in schoolwork. Are there any tools that can help? I mean, one thing that comes into mind, um, you know, of course, it's the King's Speech, very famous movie about Albert, um, you know, uh, King George VI, who, who had a stutter um, and he was really unable to um, really get his words out, so to speak. And he had a very famous tutor who helped him overcome that by playing music for him as he spoke. Is that a myth? Does that really work? Um, and what other tools are there to help uh, people w w who stutter? Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, 
Yeah, I, uh, I guess like, you know, um, when it comes to the how to help the people stutter, um, I think, <coughs> pardon me, <clears throat> the first thing that is important is actually um, to find a specialist, you know, expert in this area, which um, I guess uh, um, uh, uh, I would say that the speech therapists uh, are in the front line for helping the people who stutter. So, they are different using, uh, as you see in the, like, you know, call it tutor in these King's speech, you know. So they're using a different methods, you know, to helping the people stutter. I mean, depending what is the expectations of them. So a lot of them, like children or adults, they might want to speak more fluently or being able to, you know, um, have less stuttering. So there are a lot of methods that you name one of them, like as a music, you know, using a music or rhythmic speech, you know so that it can help uh, to like you know better gain a better control over their speech or speaking slower rhythm uh, slower uh, pace and also using some of the devices called the uh, like a you know altered auditory feedback so that you, you hear yourself with a different timing with some delay or a different frequency that can help to increase their free uh, fluency of the speech is that a little a lot tool of, in their ear? Is it sort of like a hearing aid or how does that work? Yeah, like, you know, yeah, different shapes. It could be like an, it, it actually, there's an app also oh. that like they can use it like freely in the, like, you know, um, there are several apps. I mean, not one, uh, but yeah, the more expensive one that you mentioned is looks like a hearing aids, you know, that uh, they're, yeah, they can oh, use it. And I know time. which one you're talking about. One that sort of looks like a telephone. It kind of looks mm -hmm. like a telephone. So when you speak in it, you can also hear yourself. Yes, I've seen yeah. one of those uh, in, in sort of speech therapist office before. Yeah, yeah. So you can you can use that. Yeah, this is called uh, altered auditory feedback. So it's been it's been useful. I mean, but the problem is that it's useful as long as you are using it. You know, uh, when when you're removing this, you know, the the uh, the transfer of the effects is not as strong. Uh, but, you know, a lot of, uh, as I mentioned about, like uh, earlier, about the iceberg analogy of a stuttering, um, a lot of help uh, may not be necessarily needed at the, you know, the tip of iceberg, just speaking fluently. A lot of students or adults, they might seeking more like, you know, uh, like, you know, uh, targeting uh, therapies that uh, actually will, uh, some of the therapies are targeting the those covered behaviors, you know, like avoidance behaviors, isolations, cognitive aspects. So these are the things that also needs, you know, a consultation with speech therapists that they can actually um, overcome those like, you know, uh, problems over the time. Uh, yeah, and also I wanted to add that like, you know, self-help groups are very important as well, you know, they learn a lot from each other's, you know, the challenges, the unique challenges that each of them had in their life and, uh, and the way that they can, like, uh, handle or manage and how they, like, you know, overcome those situations. That could be a very important thing. <clears throat> yeah. Is it the sort of thing that early intervention can help as well? So parents or caregivers should, and, and of course, educators, you know, as soon as you spot, um, you know, a child may have, um, an instance of stuttering. I mean, but like you said, 70, 80, 90% of childhood stuttering, you know, they can sort of outgrow it. At what point do you sort of label a child who, you know, you've got, you've, you stutter, so you need help, or do you sort of wait until they're 
six or seven and then you sort of interfere? I mean, at, at what point is it? Because it's quite sensitive. I think if parents heard that, oh, my child started, they might feel like, oh, they might want to wait. Oh, well, some might be very proactive. So at, at what point do you sort of intervene? Yeah, uh, it's it's a very complicated, but at the same time, very important question. So uh, clinically, it's very important to know that which child will actually can outgrow from stuttering and which which child will like end up with uh, persistent stuttering. So it's uh, um, uh, there are some actually factors that like has been found that uh, is important to differentiate who gonna like outgrow and who is gonna like end up with persistent stuttering such as you know the language abilities of the child the phonological abilities uh general intellectual abilities and um and the gender you know the uh, you might be surprised to see that girls like outgrow uh, more than like you know uh, boys in in uh when they have like stuttering in early life so I would say that the, when the children, like, you know, if you have a child that, like, uh, started stuttering in early stages, like, you know, two or three years old or, like, you know, uh, three to four years old, and then they ha- they are having stuttering consistently over six months, and uh, they are also closer to the going to the school age, you know, like, to go to the school, which is, we know that it's a new environment with a lot of new stress and anxiety and stress and excitement related to that. So these are some of the signs that can help us to to know that, okay, we need to get some intervention. I would say that from the very beginning, uh, if they notice uh, that the child will having stuttering for a few months and is not, uh, is not actually um, recovering or getting better, I think this is the time that they need to go and see like a speech, speech therapist. So they can they can they can further monitor the child over the time, maybe for a few months and see if the, like the situation is getting worse or is it like fluctuating across the time. And based on those like information that they get from the family history, you know, like whether it's runs in the family, whether uh, there is like a you know, history of recovering from stuttering in the family or not, and then getting information about uh, about the child level of language and the speech productions um, uh, and putting all together a speech therapist can can come up with this decision that okay for this particular child I would recommend that we we go ahead with like you know intervention early intervention and for the other child we might still have a chance to like observe for a few for like a little bit longer but definitely early intervention I would suggest that because you know when we're talking about like a stutter treating stuttering in early times we can talking about like a you no know, like almost like a uh, high level of recovery, uh, but when we're talking about a sudden treatment in like adolescent or adulthoods, we are talking about how to gain a better control in the speech, how to be more open about the stuttering, how increasing the acceptance of the stuttering, because really like, the treatment is not going to work in the way that like you know it worked on children. Absolutely. Um, and also, the, the truth is just to be patient with somebody who stutters and, and not and not say take your time because actually that can add to their stress and, and add to their anxiety um, also. Well, meanwhile, that, that's all the time we have. I'd love to continue this conversation another time with you, Professor Mehdi Bakhtiyar. Thank you so much for joining us uh, this morning. And that's uh, Professor Bakhtiyar from the Faculty of Education at the University of Hong Kong sharing about stuttering. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much.
ಅದಕ್ಕೆ 